do a couple things. We're going to begin a new series, and this series is called uh, Alter Ego, and some of you are thinking, Pastor Lee, you don't know how to spell, and that's probably true. However, in this case, it's intentional that it's spelled in the way that it's spelled because we're talking about developing an alter ego. Now, what's an altar? All of you know what an altar is, right? Now, we don't see too many of them because unlike the Old Testament, we don't have an altar sitting here for us to bring sacrifices to. Instead, we respond in recognition of who God is in special ways and make sacrifices to him, and we place ourselves before him in an altar that's done symbolically. Even today, as we're going to share in the Lord's Supper, it's a symbolic representation of Christ's body, broken, given up, and bled for us. And when we share in that special time, we'll have an opportunity to recognize what God desires to do in our life. And that'll be a bringing before him, before his altar, our sacrifices of our life. Now, the other term is used is ego. And some of us know what an ego is. Some of you have a bigger one than others. Some of you have a small ego. Some of you have a very large ego. Ego is about what we believe or what we think about ourselves. That's our ego. And some of you think far too less of yourself, and some of you think far too much of yourself. And that's reality. Today, what we're going to talk about is bringing ourselves to that place, to that place where we are able to interact with God and discover who we really are, who our ego truly is, and how we can experience all of God's power within us and through us as we yield to his desire and his will through our ego. So I refer to that as an alter ego. We're going to talk about four different areas of this issue of alter ego. And the first one we're going to talk about today is the issue of inadequacy or that part of us that we talked about that many of you think too lowly of yourself. We want to discover not what others think of you, and not what you think of you, but what God actually thinks of you. Uh, I came up with this term that the Lord kept bringing over and over to me, and it's this term here. It's called, my adequacy comes from his efficacy. My adequacy comes from his efficacy. Can you say that with me? My adequacy comes from his efficacy. All right? Now, right now, hold it. I got two guys. Don't run off, guys. I got two guys going to come down right now because they're going to need God's help this week. Come on down front. Two of our uh, leaders here are headed off to Royal Family Kids Camp. And what that is is special camp. Yeah, here they come. Oh. They will be ministering to kids from broken homes and broken situations, special ed, this whole gamut of youngsters that are extremely difficult to interact with. And God is going to do a wonderful work through them as they yield to his will and his direction, his desire. And he's going to speak through them in ways that they can't imagine right now. And he's going to touch others in ways they can't even begin to imagine right now. And that's going to happen. You know why? Because we're going to pray for them right now and we're going to believe that God's going to do it. And they're going to come back next week and say, Pastor Lee, congregation, I want to tell you some of the ways in which God did this wonderful, wonderful work. As they gave up an entire week to spend with these youngsters so they can make a difference in their lives, not through themselves, but as they experience God's work and God's power in their lives. So stand right here, guys. Yeah, the wives gave up a whole week. Yeah, the wives gave up a whole week. 
They'll be home. Yeah, but they'll have two less kids to take care of, so that'll be a good thing. A little reality comes home there, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, it does. Father, thank you so much for these two men. They are your men. And we know that their desire is that you might breathe through them words of hope, that you might breathe through them actions of joy, that you might use them to help these youngsters to find you. It's as they discover you that we see the true changes in their lives. So I pray that these two can be incredible instruments of good, incredible instruments of transformation as they allow your spirit to work through their lives. We place them in your hands and we ask that you might make them adequate through your efficacy. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Okay, I want to encourage all of you this week to pray for these two guys. You know, if you're thinking, I'm going to I pray for Pastor Lee every day. Some of you do. I know that. Instead of praying for me, just stop and pray for these two guys because they're going to need extra, extra prayers uh, this week. All right? Thank you so much for that. Today, as we talk about this issue of alter ego, I want us to have a primary verse in mind, not just a thought that I gave you there, uh, the adequacy and efficacy, but we have a special verse out of Psalm 1828 that I think incorporates or pulls everything together, what we'll talk about today, and it goes like this. Say it with me. Lord, you have brought light to my life. My God, you light up my darkness. First time I ever heard that verse was I was in Bakersfield. Some of you are thinking, oh, no, no. But I was in Bakersfield, and we'd had a tragic death of a wonderful young teenager, this incredible young girl who loved the Lord deeply. And she died of a special disease that happens as a result of taking aspirin when you have, the, uh, when you have flu is one of the first ones for that to happen to. And she just took some aspirin, and she ended up uh, dying. And uh, the family was truly just overwhelmed. And as we began to work with them and talk with them and share with them, God made clear this verse in their life. Oh, Lord, you bring light out of darkness. And it began to bring that. And we had this wonderful celebration about God's love for this young lady, loving her so much that he was unwilling to leave her to us, instead took her home to him. And uh, that was one amazing young lady. Uh, I miss her to this day. And that was some uh, almost 30 years ago. All right. So with that thought in mind, I want us to understand that when we talk about this issue of alter ego, we're talking about God becoming adequate in all of our situation, his desire to show himself in the midst of dark places in our life, to bring forth light out of something that appears to be total despair, out of something that appears to have nothing good in it. And God will bring out of that this wonderful, wonderful thing. So we're talking about laying down our feelings of inadequacy and giving up before God and allowing him to speak to us and to speak through us in special ways. Uh, I've concluded one thing. The quickest way uh, to forget about what God thinks about us is to become obsessed with what people think about us, even you. And that happens to me regularly. I start thinking, oh, no, Lord, what are they going to think about me? And God says, I don't really care. What they think about you, Lee, you should be caring what I think about you. I go, thank you, Lord. I'm reminded once again the importance of recognizing that I am only adequate 
is God makes me adequate. He who is, has all efficaciousness, the ability to bring forth the desired results, the ability to bring out of every situation wonder and magic and glory and praise, that's the one that we need to make sure thinks highly of us. And that should be always our cry in life. Having an altar ego as opposed to the ego that we tend to have on a regular basis. See, I don't know about you, but I found in my life it's incredibly easy to feel incredibly inadequate. How many of you guys feel that way? Yeah. It's just... I often don't get it. I say, you know, Lord, you've loved me, you've cared for me, you've done these wonderful, wonderful things in my life, and yet I find myself feeling inadequate in a variety of different places. I I feel like I don't measure up. I I had a wonderful experience here on Monday. I was invited to a special golf tournament at Santa Ana Country Club, which is a high-end country club, okay? And it was for free. I mean... I would have paid big bucks to play there. That's how, it's just a wonderful course. And, and I got here and I thought, wow, and I brought my son so he could hear this speaker share about how God desires to work in our life and how golf works things around and about the circle of life. You know, and I won't get into all that kind of stuff. But uh, the, it, was, it was just wonderful time. We got there and I said, wow, this is so cool. And we went out and we, and we uh, gathered together these group of guys that are kind of high rollers, okay? High rollers meaning people have a lot of money. They're very successful, and they were all members of the club. And as I sat down with them, I felt very inadequate. I felt like, wow, Lee, you don't even know how to, you don't know how to act here. You don't know how to talk. So for the, one of the first times in my life, I just shut up. And <laughs> I just quiet, acting like, oh, you know, if they ask me a question, I'll answer. Other than that, but the, I th- thought to myself, Lord, why, why is there this sense? These guys have been kind to me and caring, but I just felt like, Lee, you're so financially inadequate. You've done well in certain things, but you're, you're just a dope here. And you're with these people who have it so much together. Interesting picture. And then I went out and played golf. They put my son and I with two other guys. We have a handicap. And I always think of myself as a fairly good golfer. And I played with two pros. <laughs> yeah, by the time we were done, and we won we won the tournament. That's how good they were. Yeah. We got done. It was like we were 10 under on the front nine. Yeah, you go, how could that happen? I don't know, but it did. I was like, gee, we missed another eagle putt. How could that happen? You suck. I mean, Wow. But the truth was, is I got done playing golf, and they were such nice guys. And I said, Lee is a golfer. You know something? You suck. You're terrible. You thought you were a decent golfer. These guys are decent golfers. You play at it. Inadequate. Sense of inadequacy. Even with wonderful guys trying to make us feel better. Great shot, Lee. And then they hit one that's, you know, 200 yards farther, you know. Yeah, I can't. I hit the first drive. I had a drive as the longest drive of my life. I crushed it. I mean, it went like 270 yards. I was like, yeah. The kid walks up. Oh, good drive. It's about 320. <laughs> we didn't use my drive the whole day. I never saw anything but, you know, just, yeah. Why am I bothering to do this? You know, God has sent me to encourage them. <laughs> Great shot. Wow, it was incredible, you know. He hits a bad shot. It's still better than my my really wonderful shot. 
So it was, it was fun. We had a great time and learned more about who God is and what he's about. But in the midst of that sense of inadequacy, uh, you get around people who you feel like you just don't quite measure up to. Uh, you ever been with the, with the spiritual people and, and you're with? And it's like whenever you're around them, they seem to have this great sense of God's presence and power. You know, and they start to pray and they get done praying. You think God's going, that was really a good prayer. You're thinking, wow. And they ask you to pray. And you're thinking, I do not want to do that. Oh, no, no, no. You go ahead and pray. And so, you're, okay, I'm going to pray the best I can. You close your eyes and rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub. And you realize, did I just say that? I did. And you look up and think, oh, my goodness. I am so spiritually inadequate. And they're really nice. Oh, that was such a nice prayer. You ever, you ever get with the, with the going to the nice house? Oh, you women, you walk into this gal's house and everything smells so good. It's like strawberries. Your house smells like dirty laundry. You know, you have to have the plates all put together and she's got perfect hair and perfect nails. And, and you're sitting down and you're thinking, I don't want to touch anything. I'm going to ruin it. And you feel so inadequate. Or you get with kids, you know, you, you, you're here at church and you bring your kids to church and, and you know in the van before you got here you were fighting and yelling and screaming at them shut up get in there you know you're going to church hmm something sounds wrong here and you're struggling and you get to it and you get in these other people you see them and it's like the kids are dressed perfectly and they're all smiling as they walk off to go down to the little Sunday school time and they're in there and they walk away and they're smiling they look perfect and they walk off and you think I suck and here's the issue. What's going on is that we have a false picture of what's really and truly happening. We have a false idea of what's really, really taking place. And our inadequacy continues to grow because we don't see what God wants us to see about us and about others around us. And we falsely put them in a position that they never, ever expected to be in. Uh, man, I... I I remember I got my first child. Joy was born some, you know, 33 years ago. And she was born, and we got, we, I'm, you're doing this, all this smiling thing, and I hold this little teeny thing in my hands, and, and I'm thinking, I'm in big trouble. I kill plants. I can't even get a plant to grow in our house. There's no, and I, now I've got a baby. I'm in big trouble. I read every book Dobson ever wrote. I, every book Spock ever wrote, every book anybody ever wrote on child care. By the time I was done, I was a total mess. I knew everything about everybody and everything. I didn't know what to do. I was wondering, Lord, help me. I feel so inadequate. And I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have answers to everything. You know, isn't it true? You know it. All of you come to me and say, Pastor, you know. And I go, of course I do. And what is it that you would like to know, my child? You know, grasshopper. <laughs> Those of you that have the kung fu thing going, ah, oh! and got this total sense of inadequacy. Like you go on vacation as a pastor and you wonder, you know the elders are meeting to give you a permanent vacation when you get back. And you think, I'm kidding, but it's true. I've actually been there. I came back, found out they had a big meeting about me. I went, really? I'm not going on vacation anymore. I want a job. <laughs> I'd like to get. There's, there's this really tough sense. Go, Lord, why did you call me to do this? I feel so inadequate. Every Saturday night, I don't sleep. I'm 61 years old. I'm still Saturday night before I get to speak. I don't sleep. I'm laying there going, Lord, I'm like a fool myself. You know, what my dream is it's about all these off the wall things I'm going to be doing the next day. 
without my clothes on or something. You know, it's, oh, no. You know, I look down. All I got on is a pair of shorts. And we go, oh, no, what happened? All the people look at me. And then I, I forgot my message. I don't know what I'm going to say. Everybody's laughing in the crowd. I'm going, and this, I've been doing this for 30 plus years. Lord, I feel so inadequate. I feel so inadequate. People say, well, how do you do it? I said, you know, th- this is what I do. I literally I do this every morning, but I really do it on, on Sundays. And I, people ask, do you pray for me every Sunday morning? Yeah, I have to because I'm desperately saying, God, help them not to think badly of me today while I speak and say something stupid. You know, that's not what I do, but you get in the idea. And so I'm praying for you, and I'm saying, Lord, this is my big thing. I breathe, and I say, Lord, I just breathe in your spirit, and I ask you to take over. I am so inadequate, and I breathe out. I say, Lord, speak through me today. Breathe through me today because I have nothing to say that's worth saying. I have nothing to say that's worth saying. And so I share with you for some 30, 40 minutes, and I in faith believe okay, that something actually happened in a positive way in your lives as a result of God's word being spoken and some truth uh, being translated. Inadequacy. Uh, judges. Turn the thing to judge you. You've got the little section right there in your outlines. Everybody should have it. And we have a picture of a person who is feeling incredibly inadequate, and his name is Gideon. His name is Gideon. And we find him in a position that's quite, quite uh, remarkable. And what we're going to do right now is going to lay a little foundation in relationship to the Word. I'm going to read through this section, make a little bit of commentary here and there, and see if we can get a handle on this issue of... Uh, you know, what God is trying to say to us in relationship to inadequacy and our feelings of, of uh, inability. All right? So we're here in Gideon. We're going to talk about him out of Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Right. The angel of the Lord came, and he sat down under the oak in Oprah. And I thought, well, that's not the star, you know, Oprah, the gal. She gets everywhere, doesn't she? And, and that belonged to Joaz. The Abizarite, try that one with a tongue twister, huh? Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now, what's Gideon doing? Everybody knows about threshing wheat. You guys all know about threshing wheat, right? Yeah, of course we do. In order to thresh wheat, what you do is you throw the, the wheat up high into the air. The wind would come and blow it, and the good stuff would drop down, and the chaff would be blown away. Well, if you're inside the wine press, there's no wind. Very difficult to get, to get your wheat correctly, to get the chaff taken care of. So he's in this wine press hiding and hoping that somehow it's going to come out okay because he's afraid of his enemies, the Midianites, because they were going to keep the wheat for themselves. And he wanted to have some for himself and for his family. He's terrified by the enemy. The angel turns to me and says this. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, The Lord is... What? With you. The Lord is with you. And then he used an interesting term, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Is he being facetious? I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, if I'd been there, I would have told Gideon the truth. I would call him mighty mouse. Hey, Hey, mighty mouse, you're hiding out here, huh? This is a great statement about you and God and what's going on in his life. What happened to you? What are you doing? But the angel Lord speaks to him. And he says, the Lord is with you. And Gideon says, if the Lord's with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders you foretold us when they said, did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us. He's put us in the hand of the Midianites. And the angel turned to him and he said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And now whenever God calls you, he always empowers you. And he leads you to do something. But your external enemy will tell you something. They'll say, you're not capable of doing that. You can't do that. Your internal enemy will play a negative series of messages that your ego has been conditioned to approve. I can't do it. I I don't have this ability. I don't have this understanding. I don't have this tool. I don't have this, 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 or this. Gideon says, but... Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. So you could say, I'm not talented enough. I'm not good on stage. I'm not smart. I'm not that bright. I'm not even godly. I'm not as talented as the other guys around me. Or the famous one that I hear the most of, if you really knew me and all the bad things I've done, as if God doesn't know. And the Lord answers with this wonderful key to the message. He says, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. You think it should be translated we. He doesn't. He says you will, but we're going to do this together. So today what we're going to do is going to try to lay down some of our ideas about this issue of, of, of ego and adequacy and the sense of uh, comparisons and all these different things that hold us back from understanding what God wants to do in our life. But what I want you to get is this, simply this, and I've kind of skipped through some things of our time with us today, and that is this. My adequacy will always come from his efficacy. Or if you want a simple term, because efficacy is too hard to roll off the tongue, okay, you complete me. How's that? Okay? You remember that one? You complete me. You complete me. That's what it's saying. God completes us. He is the, the final step that we desperately need. God completes us. Another woman won't complete you. Another man won't complete you. God completes you. So when we say my adequacy is from his efficacy, I'm saying, God, you complete me. You finish everything. And let's watch this fun little clip before we go any farther. God uses people who are willing uh, to be used. And the struggle in our life is we come from this background of inadequacy, often because we've received unfair criticism or we've received unrealistic compliments. You know, my, my favorite thing is uh, we just had a pre-K graduation. And I told my twins how wonderful they were graduating from pre-K. Has anybody not graduated from pre-K? I mean, come on. They're, they're looking at me like, are you some kind of ding-dong grandpa? You know, no, 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 it's a, this is a wonderful thing. On the other side, I just had my uh, uh, younger son, uh, John, he graduated from high school. And that was a wonderful thing, amazing guy, very, very bright and capable. And that was great stuff, okay? But uh, the issue of unwise comparisons uh, that comes into our life, because after he graduated and said, oh, isn't this great? He said, well, yeah, but look at all these people that graduated ahead of me. I was 
you know, out of a class of 522, I graduated. They give you a number. I graduated 317. Or I graduated 224. I don't know what his number really was because I forgot. But you're getting the picture? And I go, well, that's not fair to compare yourself in this situation. It's unwise. In that same vein, however, John had been working for the last year and a half, interned for quite a while uh, with a group of people in which he would take your money and he would invest it. And, uh, you know, he kind of grew up with this same interesting picture here in relationship to whether we're adequate or not. And you, and you have this sense that, well, I'm just wonderful because, after all, I won every soccer game I ever played. Nobody ever loses soccer games when you're young. We just you don't keep a score anymore. And he has this false sense of superiority. And he got into this, and he found out that uh, there's a, somebody's got the idea that, hey, uh, 50% of life is showing up. And he found out that in relationship to this area of, of currency trading, uh, they don't really care if you don't show up if you can't make the grade. Go home. Go home. It's real simple. At the end of the day, how much money did you make? And he said, Dad, you can either live with fantasy or you can live with reality. But the reality is you're going to know whether you made the grade or not at the end of every day because you're going to see whether or not you did what you were asked to do. Now, in the midst of this sense of inadequacy that he gained quickly, he also gained a greater sense of, okay, I need to get my act together. I need to figure out what it is that God is telling me to do and how he can enable me to do it. Gideon finds himself in this interesting spot where he must determine whether he's going to try to be adequate in himself and his own strength or whether he's going to become adequate in how God gives him everything that he needs. You see, if we ask God to help us lay down our egos in the altar, then he will help us to become who he knows we actually are. Now, three simple things I'm going to touch on in the next five minutes or ten minutes, and that's this. One, number one, God has given you more than you think. Two, God's view of you is different than you think. And lastly, it's less about you than you think. It's less about you than you think. So the first thing, our inner voices go through these messages of insecurity and inadequacy. You have to remember that God's view of you is different than you believe it is. I promise you this, God sees more in you than you see in yourself. God sees more in me than I see in myself. Verse 12, the angel appears to Gideon. He's hiding. Everything about his physical action says, I'm afraid. And the angel turns to me and says, Gideon, mighty warrior. Huh? God sees more in you than you see in yourself. God sees you as you actually are. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For you are God's, what? Masterpiece. I go, Lord, that's not much of a masterpiece. I look in the mirror and I see a kind of more of a mess. And God says, oh, no, no, no. You're exactly what I intended for you to be. You're exactly have the frame that I wanted you to have. You have the nose I wanted you to have. You have the hair I wanted you to have. You have everything exactly as I need you to be. You are perfect with me. You're perfect with me because I complete you. Can you say, you complete me? 
You complete me. Yeah, that's, you need to grab a hold of that, understand it. I love all the different stories in the scriptures where everyone else looks at Rahab in the Old Testament. What do they see? Prostitute. Yeah, she's a prostitute. What's going on here? What does God see? He sees someone through whose line his own son is going to come. The very son of God is going to come through this woman. She will be in the generation structure that will bring forth Jesus Christ himself. Others look upon David as a child. They saw a little shepherd boy who was the least in the clan, the smallest of the group, the youngest of the brothers. But God saw something in him that they didn't see. God saw a warrior. Someone was able to stand up to a giant. And whenever David sinned and fell, as we all do, others saw him as a murderer, as an adulterer, which he was. But God saw him as a man who had his heart after God whose heart was for God, and he repented and he asked God to help him. And God helped him, and he moved him. He still had to pay for his sin. He never got over that, by the way, because of that severity. But God continued to use him, and through his line, did wondrous, incredible, marvelous things. We look upon Peter, unstable, unpredictable, and God turns to him. Jesus says to him, your new name is what? Rock. Rock. I go, Peter, rock. How do you get that? And he saw in Peter this young man who had become such a man of God that he would establish the church of God, that thousands would come as the first message was preached by him, and he would clarify to them the truth of who Jesus was and how he could live in their life. Because God saw in Peter something that Peter never, ever saw in himself. See, God sees more in you than you see. He's put more in you than you realize. And God's view of you is totally different than you think, than what you believe. And secondly, God has given you far, far more than you can imagine. You're thinking, God, you didn't give me enough. You didn't give me enough tools. You didn't give me enough understanding. God's not giving you everything you need. He doesn't turn to Gideon and say, okay, Gideon, first thing I need you to do is you need to go take a class. You need to go to seminary for two years. When you get done with that, then I will. That is not his directive to him. It was his directive to me, by the way, because some of us are dumber than others, okay? So God said, Lee, this is what you need to do. I understand that. He tells Gideon, this is what you need to do. This is where you need to go. You will go in my strength, the strength that I have provided you. Go in the strength that I've given you. Am I not sending you? And there's some of you today saying, well, I just don't have what it takes, Pastor Lee. I would do that, but I don't have what it takes. I would have gone to Royal Family Kids Camp, but I just don't have what it takes. I get involved in VBS, I just don't have what it takes. I get involved in this ministry or this structure here, but I just don't have what? What it takes. Yes, you do. You have everything you need. It's in you. God has provided it for you. But he says, your adequacy is dependent upon my efficacy. I am the only one that completes you. The scripture goes on to say in 2 Peter 1, 3, God's divine power has given you what? Everything we need. Everything we need. So God's holding back from you something. No, he's not. He said, I've given you everything you need for life, everything you need for godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called you by his glory and his goodness. It's our knowledge of him that gives us everything that we need. See, my adequacy comes from his efficacy. That's how it works. God's view of you is so different than your view of yourself. 
He's given you far more than you can imagine. Some of you say, well, well, Pastor, I'm just not a stage person. I'm more of a behind-the-scenes person. And Jesus said, the greatest among you will be a what? Servant. Slave. He didn't say, the greatest among you will be a pastor. That's what many of you think. See, I think the reason I'm a pastor is because God saw so much weakness in me that he said, Lee, I can use because this is what he can do and keep his act together. But if I had him as a head of a corporation, he would blow it and he would fall and he would fail because he'd fail to understand the necessity of me being his adequacy. So I'm going to make Lee into a pastor, even though he's going to cry out screaming and yelling and tell me, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. Because Lee is too weak. He's too weak to be something else. And God is saying to each one of you, I made you how you are intentionally for you to be what I made you to be and to do what I intended for you to do. And when you look at the other guy and say, well, he makes six figures and I only make... I go, why are you doing that? What's that got to do with anything? The question is, are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you being whom God has called you to be? God's given you far more than you think. If you let him do the talking, people's lives will be changed. If you just learn to listen, God will do remarkable things through your life. God's given you everything you need if you'll simply stop and listen to him. God's view of you is different than you think. God's given you everything you need. And and the last thing, it's less about you than you think. It's really less about you than you think. I I hope you get a handle on that. Because we all think, well, if I was just this, it's just not all that much about you. Gideon wasn't all that great of a guy. He was a coward. And God turned him into a hero. Because God can do that for those he calls. The Lord said, I will be what? With you. I'll be with you. The angel appears to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. It's less about Gideon than about God's power. When God calls you to do something, it's about the presence of God. It's not about you. It's about him saying, this is what I need you to do, and you listening and you following through with that and learning how to breathe God said to me, Lee, breathe in my power and breathe out yours because you haven't got what it takes unless I'm with you. And then you have more than it takes. I will give you more than it takes. You'll have everything you need. But Lord, I'm not smart enough. I can't memorize well enough. I'm not that great with people. I don't speak well. God said, I've given you everything you need to do everything I want you to do. So you breathe in his strength and you let him do through you what you cannot do by yourself. So we have that verse that we all know, but we continue to deny. I can do all things through what? Christ who what? Strengthens me. And we go, well, I can do all things as long as I'm strong enough for, I go, no, 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 no. It's in his weakness. It's in your weakness that you gain the strength of God. It's as you yield to him that he does these remarkable things. And then he is glorified and he is praised. I struggle with performance. I always say, Lord, am I, am I doing a good enough performance? Did I do it in the right amount of time? Did I say the things I needed to say? 
For some of you, it may be how you act in other areas. For some of you, it's how you look. You're thinking, Lord, I need to look good. Some of you are gorgeous. You have some really beautiful people here. Some of you, not so much. (laughs) I fall into the not so much category, so that's okay. Some of you are really strong. Some of you, not so much. Some of you are really smart. Some of you, well, let's leave that alone. But God uses all of us. He says, I gave him his intelligence and I gave you your lack thereof. Because I wanted to use you in a different way. That if you had that, I couldn't. And I made you six foot four and I made you five foot three. And I did that intentionally. Because you're fitting the mosaic of God and putting it all together. And your adequacy does not come from who you are. It does not come from how smart you are. It does not come from how capable you are. It comes from his efficacy. And when we depend upon him and we place our ego on the altar, God does these remarkable things. And when we depend upon ourselves, all that happens, you will fall and you will fail. And God desires for you not to do that. So today what we want to do is we want to ask God as we finish up our service, sharing in this Lord's Supper, to lay down our egos. Lay it down. Give it up to him and say, Lord, I give myself to you and I ask you to do in me what I'm unable to do in myself. To do through me what I'm unable to do in myself. And if that's your prayer, God's going to answer it. Close your eyes, bow your heads, let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for what you're doing in the hearts of each of your people here. And Lord, I believe that by faith because I know you're speaking because this issue is something that all of us struggle with. We desperately want to be adequate, but we also have this weird thing. We're going, Lord, I want to be adequate without you somehow. I want to just be adequate. And the truth is, and I know it, Lord, you spoke to me over and over. Lee, you are incomplete without me, but with me, you are complete. You are adequate. You can do everything I need you to do because I set up those works before the beginning of time for you to do and I made you to be able to do them. Oh, Father, what a wonderful truth that is. Today, we embrace that truth and we ask, Lord, that you will give us the ability to believe it. That in faith, as we share in these wonderful emblems of forgiveness, of hope, of joy, of eternity. As we share in this special time, Lord, we pray, ask that you would place upon our hearts that truth that we are yours and we are made as we are intentionally by you for your purpose. Lord, our adequacy is given to us through your efficacy. Thank you. Bless us now. Let your will be done in our lives as we speak to you. For we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. And I ask you to stand up. Everybody stand up. You need to go to the back. Go to the front. I'm going to ask some of my elders to take, come down here on the front. A couple to the back.